Welcome. Um, episode 73. This is um, all about the snare drum. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to try and start this week by remembering the things that I'm supposed to have done. Um, let me turn that off. Um, things that I'm supposed to have done in the last episode and the one before and didn't remember to do. So, um, yeah, hope you're well anyway. Um, and uh, everything's going okay with you. Um, it's raining here again. Uh, I'm just not sure if you can hear that. It's quite noisy in the rain. Hopefully you can't hear that. It's not too much interference in the background. I'm hoping this mic's working okay as well. It's been a bit weird. It's some weird things going on with this microphone. Um, I think it's all right. We'll have to see. We'll have to do a quick test. Yes, everything seems to be working fine. That's good. Just wanted to make sure. Um, I want to get an hour in and then just have some horrific, hideous problem with the audio, which has happened before. Remember one of the early episodes I recorded. I was really happy with it, and I got to the end and played it back, and there was this noise, and um, wasn't great. And the first Stuart McCallum interview as well. That's a bit of a disaster. The, the audio on that was a bit of a disaster. Um, it was very complicated. Um, Stuart was plugged in. He had his phone plugged in um, to the wall. Um, yeah, we had to do it on Zoom because it was during the COVID thing. But it was a, it was just, it, yeah. It, in the end, it was a disastrous kind of audio experience. Even though it was a good interview, but it was just a, a bit of a shame with the sound quality on it. Took a lot of editing. It took me hours and hours to edit it, and it's I've never really been happy with it. But it was fine. And then the, the second interview we did, we did, we did together. Um, went to his house. But I've got a, this. These three things I've got to mention, which. Um, um, one is that I um, just mentioned Johnny Roadhouse Music in Manchester who's uh, been a friend a long time and um, Lee Mullen, a very good friend of mine works there and so if any, you know, your music needs they sell all sorts of stuff obviously it's a drum podcast so I'm particularly um, kind of, you know, favourable of their drum department they always have some very interesting things in they always have some interesting second-hand things in i don't think there's any other shop in the north that i know of that has carries such interesting second-hand stock you know because it's not a corporate shop when we corporate things you know there's certain other sort of music um shops and we know what they and i'm not going to mention their names but you know that are very corporate and they just deal with brand new stuff but you know we, we love the second hand thing don't we we're always looking on ebay and stuff but if you want to go and play some interesting drums and um yeah and see some interesting drums and and perhaps be tempted then um I you know I recommend a visit very much so I, I I'm always on the verge when I go in there of buying something um that i clearly do need um is whether i can really afford it you know because we all need more drums and cymbals um and they and they do yeah they do they do a very good range of cymbals as well and percussion and hand percussion and latin percussion and all that kind of stuff and sticks and everything so um they are i'm not sponsored by them but they are friend and, and i i have permission by johnny jr to mention the shop so um which um, if you go in there and buy something and you heard about it from this podcast, you should mention that to Johnny. He'd much appreciate it. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to say he's going to do anything else, but um, just, yeah, he would appreciate, he'd probably appreciate that um, where the business came from, which is great. And uh, yeah, it'd be great if you supported them because they're independent and we, we should be put, you know, doing more support of independence at the moment. And this brings me to the second thing, which I never mention, and I should, and I don't, because I'm not really great at this kind of thing, is that I do have a Patreon page, um, Dave Wells Podcast, Drums in the Shed, Drummy Dave, with an IE. Um, if you do enjoy listening to this, um, consider joining that. There's two tiers 
Um, one is four pound a month. That's just to help with costs. I, I have some costs because uh, I have to pay for hosting because these files are huge and and the bandwidth is also the issue. And um, even though you know, there's I don't not a lot of people really listen to this thing. There's some weird weird stuff goes on from time to time where I suddenly get two hundred downloads um, from a certain part of the world very strange but uh, anyway you know that's good it seems always like a, a rounded number like that it's very odd don't know why but um that you know that also adds to the to the cost because i have to pay for the hosting and i want to keep the hosting in one place so i pay for an unlimited package with a company called podomatic which um which was the first kind of podcast kind of uh, site i got into because of the uh, uncle paul's jazz closet the um, um the uh Paul, Paul Motian's niece, uh, Cindy McGill, uh, it's a great podcast that if you ever get a chance to listen to it, I really recommend it. If you're into Paul Motian and, and that sort of jazz, you know, phenomenal drummer, and it's an amazing archive that she's got. And the, the, the podcast is brilliant. She plays some great music on there. It's really, um, it's very low, it's a lo fi kind of vibe, you know, um, a bit like this. So the Patreon, yeah, if you fancy that, blah, 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 Patreon, blah, blah, blah. And there's a second tier, which is um, which is £30 a month, but you get a drum lesson in that 40-minute drum lesson, which is um, a slightly cheaper rate than, than you'd get if you paid um, for that amount of time um, privately. So, yeah, so anyway, there you go. Um things have gone up a little bit so it's it was 25 pounds and it's 30 pounds it's just because everything's more expensive electricity and all we know we know the situation it's all a bit crap so that's that and the um the third thing i'm going to mention so it's very boring um it's kind of connected to this podcast which will bring us on to the actual um subject matter today um is that I do, I, I've kind of written two, uh, what I would call in inverted comma books, which I joke, uh, I call them pamphlets with my students as they know. And the pamphlet references um, is Kirby Enthusiasm, um, Jerry Seinfeld's and Larry's um, uh, critique of um, George's book, Acting Without Acting, which is not a very long book. It's a very small book and... Um, and Jerry, Jerry refers to it more more of a pamphlet than a book, and um, and yeah, the title and you know, acting without acting. There's a whole thing around, you know, if you're not acting, then that's why the book's so short because there's nothing really to write about and blah blah blah. Anyway, um, my I have a, a jazz drumming work, a jazz drumming kind of workbook which I use with my students that um, where I teach at least conservatoire. And, uh, and also some students who come to the house as well. They always get a copy of that thing. Um, that's not for sale. But there is a uh, a thing I wrote in 2005, and I've done some episodes about it, some early episodes, which were quite popular episodes, actually, when I first started doing this podcast called... It's called Foundation Snare Drum Study Book. That is actually for sale on Google Books only, and it's only PDF. But most people, I think, you know, there's this whole thing, isn't there? You know, uh, I think, is it on WeTransfer or, or um, Firefox? 2023 is a paper-free year. Well, there you go. It's a paper-free vibe because there's actually no paper copies of it, apart from the hilarious contradictory thing that this week I got some paper copies of it actually printed from the uh, Reaper Graphics at, um, at college. Um, they very they very kindly print stuff off for my students, so I've got I actually have some physical copies of it, which I've been giving to my students, but that's not for sale. So um, and it's a very convoluted thing. This, but you can buy it as a PDF for five quid, which is a bargain. And um, and so the thing I was going to say about the Patreon thing as well, the, the four pound thing. It, it's um, I was listening to a great podcast today. Um, I'm going to get the name of it right, and I and I endorse. Uh, I think it's a very interesting podcast, really, really. Um, and one of my students put me onto it actually. Um, it's um, where is it? Has it gone? Oh, it's so sort of annoying when you come to when you come to um, talk about things, and the thing that you were listening to seems to have disappeared. Ah, oh, that's it, the Blind Boy podcast. Yeah. Um, and uh he was talking on there about um 
basically saying that you know if you met if he said oh if you met we met in real life um you might buy me a pint because you like my podcast even though you you know it's free blah 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 um and that's that's the whole kind of analogy isn't it there's the whole thing that was going around a while ago as well wasn't it for downloading music you know people that don't pay for music because they just listen to it and now they think it's a consumable it's free which is which is a disgrace you know um i i choose to put this out for free because this is my archive you know if you enjoy listening to it then you might you know you might want to help me out and contribute and uh which helps with my yearly costs of hosting that's basically all it's for i'm never going to make any money out of this thing it's um it's, it's such a minority sport as i always put it um that it's so, you're never going to make any money but um i you know do enjoy doing it and it's my archive as well it's a way of archiving things and keeping a track of what's going on you know my own life my own drumming life and where progress and stuff like that and it's kind of sharing that journey hopefully inspiring you to you know have a have any kind of journey really and uh blah 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 but um yeah there was that thing a while ago and Apple people talking about Apple Music said, oh, I don't want to pay 99p or 99 cents for a single and then somebody was saying yeah but you'll pay £2.50 for a cappuccino you know that you'll drink in five minutes and then throw the cup in the bin you know and um, but they won't pay 99 cents for a piece of music which probably took you know a lot of time to create and is something that you can keep forever and listen to as many times as you like you know um so um you know i'm a bit old-fashioned i still all the music i listen to uh i buy um i don't like spotify i don't use spotify i don't like the organization don't like anything about what they do all of it all of it's pretty crap really but um, i have some music on Bandcamp. camp some interesting things on there uh, all my my drumless tracks for play along stuff they're all on Bandcamp. you can buy it all for a very small amount of money again it's very good value but it's just on there uh, to share really you know um but there's a, but you have to you can play i think you can play it three times but after that you've got to buy it you know and and that stuff um there's a lot of stuff on there and it's not a lot of money so anyway blah 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 patreon thing if you want to do that drummy dave drum the, the dave Walsh podcast drums in the shed um google books foundation snedham study book it's five quid it's a bit of a bargain really um i'm going to talk a bit about that book today um because it connects to today's topic i'm not going to it's not an advert for the book so cringy that kind of stuff and um that's definitely not what i'm trying to do here and and of course um the other thing i mentioned oh yeah johnny roadhouse yeah old friends of mine which is where i buy my sticks so um anyway it's been an interesting few weeks and it's been nice to um it's been nice to get get focused again uh been doing a few nice gigs it's been good play, doing some playing some proper jazz gigs again and um it's quite quiet at the moment gigs wise which is great in one respect um but i've been sort of trying to get back refocused again we've been trying to get back into getting a bit fitter again and um trying to get back into a pretty good headspace that i had a while ago and also just getting back into playing and um sort of just evaluating what i'm enjoying and um yeah and all that kind of stuff it's you know it's funny times at the moment there's definitely um i'm not sure you know economically how stable things are going to stay for the time you know for the next while there's a lot of weird things going on in the world as we know um which which affects health which affects us all you know whether we read the news or not they have a, they, have, they do an impact on our everyday lives and stuff and um but one of the sort of things I've come back to again, which is the, the title of this thing, is is this this is realization of um, you know this is my so this is my fortieth year. Um, the next month's podcast will be in March, and in March, nineteen eighty-three, I bought well my dad, my late father, God bless him, um, bought me a drum kit. So in uh, at the Christmas eighty two slash eighty three, it's kind of you know it just all merges into one vibe, doesn't it? Christmas time, but it was at Christmas eighty two, 
into 83. Uh, my mum and dad bought me a snare drum and a cymbal, which uh, I've told that story several times. And um, and uh, I used to play with that with um, this um, the Powell brothers and their older brother, Andrew and David Powell, who were a friend of mine when I was you know, 12, 13, whatever. And I used to do a lot of sledging with those guys. They lived in a, they had a really nice house at the top of the estate where I lived. And back of their house was the fields and i grew up kind of in the countryside really i spent a lot of time in the countryside as a child and as, as, a, as a young adult until i went to music school and i always really loved the countryside and lucky enough now to live kind of almost you know quite rurally now as well which is I mean, it's always my favored thing i don't really like living in cities uh, it's not my kind of thing at all I need to see green. Um, I was talking about, actually, when I went to the, me and my um, girlfriend went to the UAE at Christmas, you know, for a holiday, uh, which was very nice. And um, uh, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it. And I enjoyed it more than I did. And it's not a part of the world I'd ever choose to go to. But the one thing I did realise about, that I would never like about that part of the world, um, it's just a personal thing, is just, just no green, really. A real, you know, like hills. Um, sand is amazing to look at and sand dunes I mean you know I've never seen sand like it phenomenal in the middle of the desert we were literally right out in Abu Dhabi in the, in the middle of the desert right down near down near the border um, and uh, it was amazing but it's you know it was um, it's not a place that I like visually um, it's stimulated by. I like you know I like the shades of green and there's a lot in that I think in a, in a kind of sense of uh, well-being and feeling uh, connected to where your um, where your kind of soul most wants to be, you know. Um, people that know me and, and have spoken to me recently know that we um, we were very close to um, considering this move to the Orkney Islands because my. My girlfriend applied for a job up there, which she got, and um, we went there a couple of years ago uh, on a, a holiday in the summer. We went, we did the NC five hundred, and that was um, that was great. And uh, we went to Orkney, and it wasn't a place I fancied visiting. And I've, I've been to been to Shetland once, which was great, and I've I've been to Skye a lot. Um, I've, I've probably been to Skye about five or six times. Um, and I've been there. I went there with my dad and stuff, and I love Sky, and and that's a place I would definitely would move to, and it's a place I'd I'd visit, you know, if I could visit there every I don't know every two or three months to have a drive up there and stuff, I would definitely do that. But it's so far away from here. It's um, you know it's a good nine eight or nine hour drive realistically. Um, you know one way so um but anyway we went up to Orkney, we went on this kind of day trip thing and we loved it it's really really liked it up there actually it was uh, it was a real you know I, I liked it a lot more than i thought i was going to um anyway we nearly we nearly moved there we didn't we haven't moved there we're not moving there so that's that um but one of the things that appeals to me about moving there was it would just be you know just be more i'd just be more space and and uh close to the countryside and there'd have been the potential to build a um, you know a, a bigger better drum shed and things like that you know uh, which could be on the cards anyway here but um, blah 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 but yeah just that thing of you know of, of being able to see greenery um, is a you know it's a really kind of it was a really kind of important thing for me um, so that was the kind of Christmas holiday thing and um so that was yeah anyway kind of just another tangent as usual but the the, the thing that um getting back to the kind of topic of the snare drum the thing i've been uh, sort of thinking about a lot in relation to the snare drum was just just this idea of um well i, I was actually talking about wasn't i i was talking about why i uh, grown up with the the sledging and living in the countryside and the power brothers and all that stuff and they basically they you know they had um they used to play a lot with those guys and i had this snare drum and the cymbal and then eventually my dad you know said you know, this drum kit was for sale this guy i was in the, in the brass band with bought the drum kit and that happened in march 1983 and so this year um 2023 is my 40th anniversary of um of that so next month's episode i'm going to be kind of it's going to be a 40th anniversary episode um i don't know what i'm going to talk about it's just uh, that's just it's just a bit of a timeline really i mean it's all completely pointless really in a way because it's just like you know 
different lengths of time are filled with different events, aren't they? So, you know, you can have um, you can have long periods that can feel as um, as full of stuff that's the same as a short period of time. You know, if you if you if you get if you're doing a lot of stuff in a short period of time, you you can kind of compare that to um, a lot of stuff that you do over a long period of time, but it will maybe be the same amount of stuff. It's just it's just this kind of we you know we live in this kind of linear is it like a linear um, time um, time frame time vibe you know where we uh, well you know we have a clock and we I mean the clock thing's useful obviously because it means we can meet and do things together which is very useful we're not reliant upon the sun and all that kind of stuff like we used to be in the old in the old days you know um, but you know and also our, our preoccupation with time as well is also you know groove playing in time with each other um which means you know i think we think about time a lot um drummers you know i think uh, and other instrumentalists as well but you know it's definitely a preoccupation with metronomes and time and things uh, that we we have this different um we think about time in in different ways which is very interesting but anyway i uh yeah got this drum kit and uh it's 40th anniversary and all that stuff blah 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 but I had this this kind of realization that I'd come back to um, looking at the snare drum again and looking at hand technique and just realizing that uh, that I'd kind of lost um, lost some control and so I was like, well, well, I need to get back. I need to get back on to get back on it you know really start to have a bit more of a regular routine and um i was trying to think about a couple of things that i've used in the past so obviously the, the, i did an episode about metronome and drumometer and stuff uh, which you can go and listen to it's quite an old episode now i only talk about the drumometer sort of towards the end of it but the thing that i did with my drumometer which i was really happy with really pleased with was this practice pad that I use, I've talked about before, is, it's called the Quiet Tone. Um, this is it's by Sabian. Uh, I bought it because it's got a rim. It's like a proper, like a proper drum. And I'm actually, because of what I did this last week, I've actually um, I took it to pieces for the first time. I've always been a person that um, likes to take things to bits, which is not great sometimes. Um, but I always did, as a kid, I always did it. If I got the opportunity, I wanted to see how things worked, you know. And, um, yeah, sometimes that ended in disaster with things not being able to be put back together again. I've got a lot better at it as I've got older, though, you know. And the, and the camera phone thing really helps. When I repair things, um, like when I one of my Zoom cameras, um, I had to put a new board in it. And, again, it's such a they're quite complicated to take to pieces like mobile phones you know but if you if you photograph each stage you know it's just a prompt isn't it it's just that oh yeah yeah that was that oh yeah that went in before that all oh, you know you kind of reverse engineer it but the pictures but um i always like to take things apart and i hadn't taken this pad apart because it's got um it's got six has it got six? One, two, three. Yeah, it's got six uh, tension lugs on it, and they're on lockers. They're on nylock bolts and nuts, and um, so they're kind of. Um, you need a, a socket to take to, to undo. You, you use a normal drum key thing on the top, and you need a socket underneath because they because they're locked. You know, they, they don't move; they just spin. Then there's a normal drum rim, a six um, lug rim, fourteen which must be custom made because there's not many 14 inch uh, triple flange hoops that have six lugs, are there? I wonder if they're actually, do the Catalina clubs, the Gretsch, ah, they might be six lugs, correct me if I'm wrong. The Tom, the 12 inch Tom is a five lug. It's a funny old thing. Um, I mean, they tune fine, but it's five lug. Um, Anyway, I took it to bits, and it's basically, it's really interesting the way it's made. It's made out of a piece of MDF. It's got a piece of plastic, like a drum head thing, and then it's got a piece of rubber. 
and then it's got a drum the normal drum head with this quite quiet tone thing written on it and it, like it's just like a normal um you know a normal coated like a g2 or something um i don't know it feels like an evans head actually um even though it's a sabian product it doesn't feel like a remo it, it feels like um might be wrong i don't know um i mean i use evans heads as, as, as people know i do have a uh, a sort of a, a, an arrangement with the dario uk so uh, but the thing i wanted to do was my drumometer has used um when i bought the drumometer off um off boo mcfee it's mcfee mcfee i think is the correct pronunciation yeah um which I don't think you can buy it anymore. This is just because I had a conversation with somebody the other day. Uh, I don't think they're for sale anymore. And I think some other products... I know they were, they were in a lawsuit thing with Yamaha and another company because Yamaha added the drumometer feature to their um, to their, their brain for their electronic kits. They put a count feature in. And uh, I think Boo and the other... I can't remember the other guy who's involved with the invention of the drumometer. They were... They had a class act against them, I think, um, because... Because they patent is patented now. The drumometer is is actually a patented thing, and um, and the you know the, the the way the just the idea behind that kind of concept. I think they um, you know they were arguing that it's their it's their thing, you know, and I can see that. But anyway, Yamaha, yeah, they did put a um, they they put a counter into their one of their brains, and somebody else created uh, a div a similar device thing that that counts. Um, and that's similar features and they were also there was a lawsuit going on with that anyway i don't know what's happened with all that but um when you buy the pad the model 2 um it comes with a remo practice pad um which is one of the reasons why it's quite expensive you know for what it is but you you know you do you get one of these remo practice pads and then it's a proper remo practice pad but over the years this pad because it's like a bright red pad, they went for this sort of design type of design. It was a red design, and it over the years it's sort of gone really weird. The plastic, because um, the, the 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 sort of the rim on it, because like an eight, I think it's eight or six inches small, very small pad. It's eight, I think it's eight inches. It's got an eight inch like ebony head on it, a black head, Remo ebony head, one of those um, like Gad used to use, and. Uh, the head had gone. Uh, sorry, the the rim had gone really weird. The the, the plastic had gone into a really strange colour. And uh, anyway, I wasn't enjoying playing that pad when I was using the drumometer. So I hadn't used the drumometer for a long time. And um, so what I decided to do was transplant the um, the the drumometer, which is basically a little. Um, it's like a little sensor, uh, like a trigger sensor which is basically um which is it's attached to the back of a metal plate with a uh, double-sided sticky pad uh, it works very well anyway i put it i transplanted it into the um into the sabian practice pad <coughs> and it needed a little bit i had to do a little bit of fettling i had to sort of um i had to grind out some of the wood to, because it wouldn't sit flush and stuff but I mean, anyway when i sort of built it all back together again and plugged it in it works better than it ever did the sensitivity is fantastic it, even like playing super quiet it picks every hit up in any part of the pad so um so it's just it's, a, it's just like a six or seven inch metal plate which sits underneath the 14 inch head so it's not even you know it's only it's only kind of in contact with half of the surface area of, in fact less than half the surface area of the head but well, it doesn't matter where i play um it picks up on the drumometer so i got back into um this drumometer regime which i which i which i've been doing for a long time and it's a very simple regime i'll 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 talk you through it now you maybe you can write this down if you're um if you have the opportunity to obviously if you're driving listen to this don't 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 write it down that would be a terrible idea i don't be responsible for some horrific kind of situation um so you're playing like flam accents okay 
So just a regular flam accent, an alternating triplet with a flam, you know, a flam accent is. And then what I do is I put um, I put a pair of flams together in, into groups of two and then, then don't play for two in groups of two. So you end up with um, three pairs of flams um, because of the way it works within the 12 triplet quavers, you know. And it feels like a 4-4 four, four cross rhythm, so you get this kind of... back to the beginning again there and then what i do is the second time i'll do another uh, another bar one two three four and then the next bar i'll put that one uh triplet quaver later so it starts on the, the it's a flam to the left hand yeah so it sounds like this one two three four one two oh uh, sorry one two three four one two three four okay so you have that thing at the end where you have a single a single hit and it need, that's the thing that needs to be clean that single hit it's tricky hear that blah 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 good bit of drum speak there blah blah blah, blah yeah da blah da da blah da anybody that knows me who knows that vibe knows what i'm talking about um, this is not a blushter, by the way. This is a flam accent there with some triplet vibes and some flams going on. Anyway, so the next thing is it, it's you move it then to the one uh, triplet later, and you end up at the end of this one. The logic follows that you will have three um, flams together. Blah 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 blah. There you go. And then the next bar is I do a whole bar of alternating flams. One, two, three, four, blah, 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 Okay. And then the next bar is a bar of doubles. One, two, three, four, et cetera, et cetera. And basically, with the drumometer, because it goes up to 900 seconds, 900 seconds is 15 minutes. And basically, I put the metronome on 164, uh, and do uh, 15 minutes doing a combination of those different uh, stickings. The other one I've been doing as well, um, hands are really cold actually at the moment, so she's not great, but I've been doing Ted Reed. Um, exercise, first four lines of exercise one and the first line, or sometimes the first two lines of exercise two or lesson two or whatever whatever you want to call it, of the of that thing beyond the syncopation sets, which is like page whatever, it's 36, 37, 38 or whatever. Um, so doing it as flams. So those of you that know the first line know that it's da da do da 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 bo ba bo be da bo di da bo da. And I just go blah 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 blah. blah. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. And then the second one is blah 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 blah. blah. And it's nice to do that that first bar because it has the one and two and four. It's got those um, triplet quaver accented on the first and third of, of the first three beats so you get the six together which is the which is one of the hardest ones again that middle one needs to be quiet da, da, de, 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 da. etc etc so i've been i've been adding that in to the exercise and um so the only, um, and the thing about the drum monitor is, as you may or may not know, is it counts your hits. That's the point of it. Okay. It counts how many hits you do. And the idea for me is that over 15 minutes, I should be getting over 10,000 hits. Um, and again like people might think what well, this is like the weirdest thing i've ever heard in my life you know what what do you, what do you mean ten thousand and all that sort of stuff so and, and i've talked about this before in, in this past episode but basically the idea is if you do a a a flam accent one flam accent it should be four hits if the flam is open enough 
if you play it really open, okay, it sounds like a jazz waltz. I always talk about this with my students. That's one-handed. That, I'm it's just I'm just demonstrating that it's that's you know it, it's just you can play it one hand if it's open enough. It's the same pattern as you, as things increase in speed. go so that's the whole exercise and then add, in, add Ted Reed into that and then basically over yeah uh, like I say over 15 minutes um, and lots of five stroke rolls as well lots of dat diggy diggy 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 dat diggy diggy dat diggy diggy dat diggy diggy dat dat okay getting that middle triplet one in is really nice especially against the metronome and if um like I was, I started practicing this again uh, last week, and the first time I practiced it, I was really struggling to not move that middle triplet onto the beat. And then the second time, I came back to it because I do like two a day, two 15 minute runs a day. And the second one, I was really on it. I was able to play the flam in the middle triplet individually and that five stroke roll in the middle triplet uh, without any problems, you know. And so it's just that that it's great you've just got that barometer of like knowing that something's correct or not and it, it, it reminded me again of this thing of why we why we we use some kind of timekeeping device to practice um to practice stuff on a snare drum and um and it's because you know it's correct like you know that it's actually in time like you know that you're playing the right amount of hits and you're playing it in the right place and you're keeping a good consistent time feel you know it's just a tool you're not playing to it it's playing to you and you're using it in order to reference okay so if you're playing these five strokes that that they're on the beat and then the next one is that so it's in the middle triplet quaver and the third one is onto the final beat one two three onto the final triplet of the three etc I always sing along because it's a bit sad. Anyway, um, it's kind of I quite, quite like the singing along thing. I don't know whether it's a manifestation of tension or not. I'm not sure. Some people would say it is. Some people would say it's not. Um, I feel okay with it. Um, but you know, some people would say you should be completely relaxed when practicing these kind of exercises. But but um, but the thing I'm really happy about is it's been it's been really great to get the drumometer back kind of out and, and connected to this practice pad that I use all the time, which I really really enjoy playing on. And um, so it's kind of just it kind of just been a little bit it spurred me back into life a little bit to. To help me kind of set these goals and this is the thing i'm saying you've got to have goals so but for instance this rudiment foundations book the uh, this snare drum study book thing which i've written I, I also getting that printed i've now got physical copy of it which i've never had before because it's always just been in in digital format pdf and i was giving it to some of my students this week and, and a few of them were sort of quite intrigued and they were kind of getting into it and practicing the exercises and it it does require a little bit of guidance but the main thing is about precision and evenness of of the two different dynamics you know it, there's some there's some um guidance at the beginning of the book it's a very very simple book to practice too and um the, the key is to practice it with a metronome so you, that you know that you're playing in time and the second thing is to make sure that the the accents are the same. So that 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 is just um, that's all that's an alternating thing. Right, 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 left, 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 right, 
right, right, right, left, 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 right. And so the idea, the first, the first one is um, you just play right, 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 and have a have a have a crotchet rest, a quarter note rest, and left, 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 and it's the same thing, a crotchet rest, quarter note rest. So you you've got that going on, these two alternating things, and then you just fill in the crotchet, the quarter note rest, with a with a single strike of the opposite hand, and the idea is that is that when you're when you're when you're doing this the second accent which is always on the two and the four on on these first three or four pages whatever it is um and there's some movement stuff as well onto the toms um you're you're trying to have the hand the the hand that's not playing in in the in in this sort of start position of where you would do the accent from so it's not only thinking about um, how you're making the 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 hand that's playing it's got all the kind of activity going on your quaver and two semi-quavers, um, eighth and sixteenth note thing going on, but also what the other hand's ready to play. So it's just it's, it's a cognitive thing as well. You can practice the whole, all, most or all the exercises pretty much with fe with a feathered bass drum and a hi hat on two and four if you want to, have a bit of accompaniment. And again, I'm, I'm practicing with a metronome. Um, you can practice with, with a metronome in different ways. I just when I practice these sort of exercises, I'm not creative with a metronome at all. I just have the metronome on the beat, you know. Um, but these things are about kind of setting goals, you know, setting uh, a goal so that you can go, okay, I, 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 you know, the line in the sand was to do this this week or today or or I'm going to set this thing as a, as a month as a plan for the month. I want to get I want to get this much of this done, and I want to do this every day, and I will have this many hits, you know. So over the, the over ten thousand thing for me is when I started practicing again last week. You know, I the, the first was ten thousand, and I think it was like ten thousand one hundred and twelve, and then the next one was ten thousand one hundred and twenty. You know, uh, or it was eleven. It was like nine beat difference, which was very, very strange to be that close. You know, um, but I must have been playing, you know, very quite consistently and 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 having a very similar kind of amount of things that I was doing. And then, um, and so that kind of that day, the next day, I was quite aware of where those numbers were. So I was really pushing it, and I was getting into the the ten thousand four five hundreds the day after. You know. And using that as a new benchmark, um, and it's also just been realistic. The day after that, I, I was busy. I was I was I had to go away at work and didn't have the didn't have the thing with me, so I was practicing different things. But again, it's trying to get back onto it, kind of uh, having realistic goals of when you can get to the pad or get to whatever. How, however, you're practicing these sort of things, and also having material, you know, and. Um, it, it it all comes back to me for this this idea that good all good jazz kind of drum kit players they all they're all good snare drummers you know and I I again I I've been sort of talking about this quite a lot but on a personal level I've lost I'd sort of lost um, lost a little bit of focus in that area you know so I feel like I'm just kind of getting back into getting some technique back and um it's quite exciting you know to be it's sort of be at 52 and to feel like i can get back to a level which is actually you know what i would be quite satisfied and happy with and be able to get back to a level where i'm, I'm sort of playing the vocabulary which i um which i know and and i've developed and to a to a kind of standard which has the the, the sound and the and the uh, the clarity which I, you know, really, um, really kind of want to attain, you know, because that's the key thing for me is it's the clarity and the sound is is everything, um, and I don't think you can have one without the other. But that's just my personal view on the things that I play. And now the weather is really um, going for it. The wind's like really blowing, and the rain is absolutely chucking it down, which is a bit of a shame um so but anyway yeah that's kind of that's been sort of thoughts on on the snare drums on the snare drum front and i know what also you know i wouldn't be afraid if you're um someone that's not been that much into practicing material written material i would i would say give it a go you know find some good source material 
there's all sorts of different things out there, all sorts of different kind of written material. Um, but it's a thing of basically... Um, you've got to be... Reading is a, is a really good skill, reading music. Not just to be like a pro, super pro and all that stuff. It's... It's really good for improvisation because it it's all very well being able to play everything we want to play under our own terms, you know. Like, um, you get all this really amazing stuff together and then we just play it. But when you've got to read something and also play within the, the confines of a musical structure, being able to play as well and have your sound and have the clarity and everything and the feel that you want within that is a really valuable deep tool you know to have at your disposal and um, I think some people they lose sight of that a little bit sometimes they forget um, the value of it of, of the thing of just reading um like on on snare drum, reading some sort of classical snare drum study or something, or a Wilcoxon thing, or um, this um, this Guy Lefebvre, this uh, superior drummer. I don't know if I've said that right now, things like that. You know, these these kind of written stuff, the dexterity book, Mitchell Peters. You know, um, um, stick control. You know, George Lawrence Stone. Blah blah blah. The great American drummer, another Wilcoxon thing. All these, all these. These this material it is a fixed material that, that that demands that you play it with with accuracy, you know. And it's all very well being accurate to something that you say, you know, to, to something that's already your own. I'm, I'm being accurate to the thing that I'm going to play from my head, which is great, you know. But it's also it's very very useful to be able to be accurate to something that's come out of somebody else's head and is fixed and written on a page, you know. And um, I always notice a real jump and shift in my playing when I when I deal with material in that way. It, it, every time, it's no mistaking. It, it, sometimes it takes a bit of time to, to, to open up that part of my mind, my brain, but it's a cognitive thing, you know, but um, but I always notice something different and I would just recommend it if something you've never done, if you're a kind of part player and, you you know, you're playing kit a lot and you're playing certain styles of music and, you know, you really you want to kind of maybe just expand things and break, you know, break out into some stuff, I would definitely look at some, playing some written material, you know, uh, and just playing it with the hands and just playing it on one surface, playing it on a snare drum or on a pad um, and flex flex that muscle, the muscle in the brain of the reading muscle, you know, um, which is kind of abstract thing, isn't it? It doesn't, it doesn't, you can't see that muscle, but it is definitely something that, you know, in the brain which we're able to, um, you know, utilise that skill and get better at that skill and get quicker and and, um, and and more kind of recognition, shape recognition, you know, like recognising words. I was talking to somebody last night at a gig and um, she's a linguistics uh, scholar, you know, expert, uh, lecturer at university, retired now, but she was just talking about this thing. To, she got into... Um, she got into linguistics and then she got into music to kind of get away from it and realise how similar they... <laughs> the two things are and I was saying yeah it's like when you learn you know you learn to construct a word from the the infant sounds of um, ear to her to the word with you know and that's just like learning to put together um, you know a 16th note an 8th note and a 16th note and that, that, that sound becomes da 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 you know and you just see it, and you know what it sounds like. You don't read it anymore. You don't work it out mathematically. You don't. You don't. You don't break it down into its components. You 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 see it, and you know exactly what it sounds like. And it's the same with all music. You know, I I look at musical scores, um, like piano scores, stuff that's you know that's written with pitches and and chords. And because I've spent a lot of time writing music and listening to music, a lot of the time I can hear 
pretty much what something sounds like off the page before I hear it, which is very useful for a drummer because it's, um, for me, it's, it's a lot, it's about colour, you know, the colour of the music. It's very important to be able to make the right decisions about what to play in the music and, and it should be something that, I don't know, is worth considering. I know it might sound a bit highbrow and a bit like, well, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to play this style, you know, and that's fair enough. And and me too, I'm still trying to play in time, you know, God. Um, still trying to play with a nice sound, you know, still trying to play fluidly and all those things. But you can make a decision about about the colour of what all that is by having an ability to read uh, music and be able to look at a melodic line and look at its values, look at the way it's written, look at the kind of the key signature and whether there are any accidentals and chromaticisms and sort of, you know, understand the pitches and what the pitches are doing, you know, and what direction the melody is and what the chord types are, the sound of those different chord types being able to sort of see something written down and go, oh, that's a major seven, I don't know, that sound, that could, the colour of that, the bright sound of a major seven. Oh, and it's got a fifth in the bass, oh, so that's kind of weird slash chord, is it a slash chord or is it just an inversion thing? All that stuff's really useful as a drummer, just to be able to make decisions about how you maybe will tackle, you know, playing something um, re within the style which you're already trying to play, you know. You could play swing, blah 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 but the color of that swing music may dictate whether you play hi-hat whether you play brushes whether you play four in a bar from the get-go you know it's just different things some of it is about knowing you know just that thing thing of being a style player and knowing oh that this thing is definitely a four in, you know it's a four in a bar walking thing or you know or it's definitely a two feel on the hi-hat or whatever or, or it's, it is a brushes thing um but that's not always the case, you know, especially playing other people's music, original music, you know. And uh, again, it's that thing of flexing the muscle of trying to kind of work out what to play on something that's come out of somebody else's head, you know, and being able to read the fixed material off the page. And um, my view is, I'll say it now, people that say that that's not a good skill to have are bullshitters. That's my view. Um, you know, if they choose to not want to do that, that's fine. But to, to tell somebody else that it's not a good thing is bullshit. Let people make their own minds up about what's good for them. You know, um, uh, people decide to know they don't want to read or they don't want to be, you know, do that vibe or play that music in that way. That's totally cool. But don't tell other people. Let people make, you know, make their own decision about whether or not that's a useful thing. And um, I always think more knowledge is a good thing. It's only adding to the palette, whether you use that or not. It's you know that's your choice. It's like having um, the analogy, the headroom analogy, you know, and the, having headroom when you're playing, which you never get into when you play. So you sound super solid all the time. Everything has this kind of super solid feeling and sound about it because there's a whole load of stuff up in the kind of stratosphere of your playing, the hemisphere, all those different spheres of the of the globe, you know, of the world. If thinking about that, if you think about yourself as a as a kind of planet with a, with different um different levels of stuff going on, you know, then um you can think about that as you, in your relation to your sound, your speed, your technique, your styles chops you know all that stuff thing knowledge and stuff the more that you know um it's like playing it's like practicing very slowly you know people it's a very undervalued thing a lot of people want to practice very quickly the hardest things to do on drums in my opinion are, are play very slowly and play very quickly just just as a kind of basic thing of um, of getting stuff to be in time and to sound nice you know it's hard to play really slowly and to make it feel good and make it have a, a control and consistency that's you know I, of all the, the things I've ever heard with students and my own personal experience that definitely feels like a thing and playing super fast is is hard as well you know whereas everything in between is you know is where we operate a lot of the time and and so that's why we do practice things slowly and why we maybe push things quick to play fast when we're practicing i have nothing against practicing things fast i play fast things i want to build muscle i want to build muscle and i want to build muscle memory 
and I want to build stamina and I want to be be able to work on being more and more relaxed you know so and all these things we can do at the snare drum it's a great place to um, experiment with all that kind of stuff you know so anyway yeah a bit of a rant there sorry about that I don't, I don't really like ranting but um, there are some characters around that have this thing about that stuff and they're, tell, they're telling people to not consider things you know out of some sort of misguided spiritual purity I don't know I don't know what it's about it all feels very egotistical to me you know to tell people to not do things and whatever it feels like it's dictating or it's um, it's trying to um, control you know uh, and make make somebody not consider the possibility of something whereas um you know we should always be inquisitive i think i think it's a good thing you know um you have got to get on with stuff and you've got to maybe get a thing together and maybe stay true to a certain thing for a while just in order to get good at it and that's fine but it's still that's just a decision you're making a decision for yourself you know but if people tell you to not do xyz just tell them to you know, down to do one. That's what I would do. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of it, really. Um, go on too much, but uh, it's just another little line in the sand. I had some other things I wanted to talk about, um, but I'm going to save them for next week because it's more about the drums. 40 years of the drums, you know. Um, it's funny because I'm thinking about doing the 40 years of the drums things next week and I'm already thinking, well, why am I not wait until it's 50 years you know and uh, what we're going to say at 50 years you know it's, we're going to have nothing to say going to say it's the same as 40 years which is the same as 30 years which is the same as 23 years and 85 days and 5 p.m on that day or whatever you know what i mean it's all a bit strange really but it's quite nice to have a little small reflection and celebration of um being involved in this crazy thing hitting things for a living in a very beautiful way for 40 years it's um you know it's a good life so um yeah have a great month a great week whatever whatever you're up to um i'm really um hoping to i've got a few nice gigs coming up just had a couple of nice really nice gigs Hoping to get a bit fitter again, trying to get back on the kind of exercise bike and stuff. So that's sort of all the same kind of thing, really, just trying to get back in a routine. Christmas is always, I always find the sort of run up to Christmas and Christmas quite disruptive. And especially this year going away, I, you know, I just knew that oh, I'm going away, I'm going to be away for 10 days, not going to get any music done, not going to think about music. And, I, and, and as I think I said in the last episode, I, I, or the one before, maybe the last episode, I purposefully didn't listen to any music. Uh, because I had some stuff I was been mixing and helping mix and I wanted to have a bit of a break from it as well. And there's been some other projects I was involved in and I wanted to sort of not listen to that for a, a week or two and come back to it. And that album's been finished as well now, so it's quite nice that the, um, the Tapestry album's finished, which is great. Um, I think they're doing some gigs. Sadly, I don't live close enough, so I'm not sure whether anything's going to happen with that for me the gigging wise because they live a long way away there and they all live local to each other so but it was great to be part of that project really really great um, beautiful beautiful music um i'm trying to remember the name of the blooming album it's useless um some great songs on there anyway tapestry look them up it's the it's the welsh spelling not not with the um the y on the end it's ie i think so yeah check that out um i'm really proud of that album beautiful great drum sound and stuff and recorded a little bit of it here actually did a couple of little uh, retakes of stuff and did them here and it's turned out really well i'm really pleased with the drum sound i'm getting here now um again i've worked quite hard on that spend a lot of time on logic at the moment learning more and more about logic which has been great um I, I just again a call out I, I i check out this guy called music tech help guy on youtube i think he's canadian He's really, um, it's not irritating in any way. He's like the least irritating person in the world, you know. It's not all like, he, these production videos, these people like, it's like, what are you so excited about? Just like, talk about, just talk about the stuff, you know. 
And he's like that. He's just so to the point, really clear, really good, really knows his stuff. You know, it's great. So if you're into, if you want to learn about stuff, I'd really recommend him. He's got so much stuff and he's doing logic, another logic pro course at the moment, which is going through some stuff which which he's been through before, but it's kind of, um, yeah, it's just it's similar videos, but it's slightly more detailed in some of these videos and I've been into that. So yeah, spending a lot of time recording and working on that, which is a great, another great addition to the kind of skill set. Um, and yeah, some nice gigs coming up. So um, and going to keep up with the snare drum thing. I'll report a bit back next month. See how I'm getting on with all that. Um, yes, if you get a chance, have a look at the old um, Google books. If you can look, see if you can find it for a start. I tried searching for it, couldn't find it. It's a bit weird. It's a bit annoying. But it's uh, Dave Walsh Foundation Snare Drum Study Book. It should come up. If it doesn't, let me know because I'll be really uh, uh, send drummy d d r u double m i e d at gmail dot com. Let me know if you can't find it. Um, but I've never advertised it before, so I've never sold a copy of it. So, and then Patreon thing, blah blah blah. I don't even want to. Yeah, whatever. Blah blah blah. Um, you know the vibe. And um, great. So I'll see you again. Well, see you. I'll um, be here again uh, next month. So uh, bye for now.